0: It's the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along. Italy, Fantastico in the Olympico to book their place in the last 16 with Wales on the verge of joining them. Today, it's the turn of Belgium with Lukaku looking to lead from the front on what will be an emotional day in Copenhagen as Denmark plan to celebrate Christian Eriksen. Here for today's Euro Digest, we have Football.London's Scott Trotter and Ned Keating from the Mirror. Ned, I'll come to you first up. Let's focus in on Wales first of all. 2-0 win over Turkey and it was a brilliant performance as well, albeit they had time for uh, Gareth Bale to miss a penalty too
1: fantastic result for Wales pretty much uh, in the knockout stages now you can't see four points uh, not being enough to go through especially with all the third place teams um, and as you said Dino terrific performance for them. there was a lot of criticism about Bale and, and Aaron Ramsey as well after the weekend about needing to step up needing to perform um, you know as the two kind of experienced heads in this otherwise quite young Wales squad um, and they both did that yesterday obviously combining for the opening goal for Ramsey brilliant ball from Bale um, whether or not Ramsey perhaps should have scored a little bit earlier you know there was another similar chance to that as well where another ball over the top bail found Ramsey behind that's obviously something that they they'd looked at and and thought that this is how we can get at Turkey obviously the second time it worked great great uh, first control from from Ramsey and and obviously the finish to boot as well um there were times, obviously, when they did have to, to kind of defend uh, resolutely. But again, you know, the two youngsters at the back in in Joe Rodon and Chris Meppham, um, you know, as a Spurs fan, I was taking particular interest in in Rodon's performance. I thought he was brilliant yesterday. Meppham, likewise, as well. Uh, kept Turkey at bay. Um, and again, just the, the kind of the second goal to put the cherry on top of it, you would have thought that having seen Bale go close uh, rather than keep it in the corner you know what about 30 seconds before you, he's run through and he's gone for a shot and goal you think having seen him try that once Turkey might have been a bit wise to it but clearly not and obviously Connor Roberts um, popping up scoring the goal and, and the goal that pretty much sends Wales through to the next round and that—that that is the thing, isn't
0: it, Scott? Is Wales are pretty much all but assured of a place in the last sixteen now. And I found it sort of refreshing that Wales had to dig in and defend. I mean, Robbie Savage on commentary when he was there for the BBC with the technical issues they had was sort of kept asking Steve Wilson in the commentator how long left, how long left. But when they were breaking away, there was that one for Dan James where he couldn't quite find Harry Wilson at the back post, and then just before the two corners, Harry Wilson nearly scoring as well. They would—they were happy to sit on their lead and defend it. They did it well, but they were also always carrying a threat on the counter as well.
2: Yeah, I think on the whole, it was just a really entertaining game, actually, um, for it being like a 2-0 win. Um, And as you say, bodies were going on the line at the end, and then you were seeing Dan James break up the other side, creating really good opportunities. There was even a little bit argy-bargy at the end, which, you know, it's always kind of nice to see a little bit of tension when it shows it really matters. I think the Welsh Mafia defence came up with Ben Davies uh, pushing uh, at the end. And yeah, it was just a really intense and impressive performance as well. I don't think there would be many Wales players who would be unhappy with how they played uh, yesterday.
0: No, most certainly. And uh, talking of Bale and Ramsey then, Ned, I mean, these are two players who have, have proven themselves to be world-class operators and got their moves respectively to Real Madrid and Juventus in their time. And just when Wales need them, and they need them to step up and be called upon. They they never sort of are there lacking. They always seem to come up with something for them. You mentioned that the the two good chances Ramsey had, had. He'd had that one really early on where he chose not to square it for Kiefer Moore as well. I mean, it is time for them to to step up and deliver, and that's exactly what they did.
1: It is. It's almost like um Ronaldo and Portugal, you kind of know that. That no matter what how the game's going and how Ronaldo's playing, he's going to drag them kicking and screaming to places that that team maybe shouldn't go to. And, and likewise, Wales have done that um, thanks to Bale and Ramsey. You know, these are these are two, you know, as she said, they're two of the top operators in the game in that position. Um, and it and it does always help to have world class players in your squad. Of course, it does. But you know, the rest of that team is comprised of of mid table. Premier League players and and teams at the top end of the Championship as well, you know. So you wouldn't put them down on paper as as beating the Turkish side that has got uh, experienced operators who are used to playing in the Champions League year in year out, you know. And and likewise again against Switzerland, I know it wasn't the greatest performance, but they have still done enough in that game to go out there and, and get a point. You know, Keith Moore, I remember watching him years and years ago. Um, I used to cover Dagenham and Redbridge, and he was he was playing for Torquay at the time on loan for Forest Green Rovers, and I kind of never thought then on a cold uh, November night in 2016 when he. He's, you know, he done well in that game to be fair, pinned the centre-half quite a lot of the times and uh, kept winning the ball for his players. But you never think then that a player like that playing in the fifth tier of England is going to be going on to to score goals for his country at, at Euro 2020. Um, you know, it, and and it is probably down to likes of Bale and Ramsey in leading and and being those leaders within the team and kind of saying, look, you know, we're at this level, you're going to come with us, whether you like it or not. And you might as well enjoy the party whilst you're here. And and that's been brilliant for Wales. The issue is obviously they're they're coming towards the the kind of twilight periods of their careers. And it's who takes that mantle on now for Wales, you know, who are the next ones to to be these leaders, these catalysts uh, for them to have success in the future again.
0: Yeah, no, it's going to be a, a big crossroads for them to uh, breach that one. But in terms of Aaron Ramsey then, Scott, he's been away from the Premier League for a couple of years, but it, it's felt ever since he's moved to Juventus, every week there are links with him coming back to the Premier League and a lot of the time returning to Arsenal or to the capital. And West Ham have also been linked in recent days. And obviously with the fact that they're going to be losing Jesse Lingard after the end of his loan spell back to Manchester United, David Moyes might need a, a goal-scoring midfielder.
2: Yeah, I think it's been a difficult time from whether it be through injuries or just simply being out of favour in Juventus. Um, But I think when he has played, he's still been quite impressive. Um, He's obviously turned on for Wales recently. Um, I know Chris Wheatley, our Arsenal reporter, said there's nothing in Ramsey coming back to Arsenal. I think it would perhaps be moving a couple of steps back from where they want to go. Though I do think Ramsey probably has the quality to play for somebody like Arsenal still. Um, West Ham they would benefit from him, especially, like you say, the Lingard, um, even. But I think those kind of astronomical wages he got at Juventus because of the free transfer, it's going to make it difficult for anybody to make a move, especially in the current climate. Um, whoever does eventually, if they do, um, I think will get a great player. And especially if they kind of play him in that role where he can arrive late and make those runs, which I think is so key, which I think perhaps because of Mesut Ozil being at Arsenal, he didn't always get the chance to play in the position you wanted um, but whoever does take advantage of that will have a great player
0: yeah to me Ned he does sort of screen David Moyes all over him the way in which he takes sort of these I suppose diamonds in the rough and, and really does get something from them and he does love a goal scoring midfield you think of his time at, at Everton the likes of Cahill and Fellaini what he's done with Jesse Lingard as well I might be sort of reading too much into the rumor mill but I could I could see why that one would make sense
1: Yeah, you know, and, especially with, um, you know, West Ham being, in having that lure of, uh, European football as well next year, you know, saying kills that, that they've not necessarily had in the past. And he, and he could be the driving force from, you know, late runs into the box. Um, you know, as we saw, as we saw quite a bit of yesterday. Um, you know, and and I'm sure he'd love the chance to kind of, especially after the year that everyone's had, you know, the opportunity to be a lot closer to your home, to your family. Um, you know, kind of haven't been out there uh, for, for the last couple of years. I'm sure that's something that he'd kind of really appreciate, maybe look forward to. Um, and again, because he's, he's kind of, uh, the career's coming to that point as well, where maybe he does want to be a little bit closer to home uh, as, as the kind of years tick down on his career.
0: Yeah, no, most certainly. Let's then talk about the the late game. Italy 3, Switzerland nil. Three goals again in a game for Italy. Scott, they'd never done it in the Euros before Friday night's opening game with Turkey. They've now done it in back-to-back games. Those old cliches of Italians being stubborn and defensively aware need to be certainly pushed away because this side are are free-flowing and attacking.
2: Yeah, I just, they've coasted. Um, They've made things look so easy. I know obviously a lot was expected of Turkey. Switzerland. For all, they're perhaps not expected to go far in the competition. They're always around the group stages that you would expect resistance with Xhaka and Shakiri there. And they've just been so cool and had swagger about them. And I think despite their kind of unbeaten run that went on so long from Italy, um, nobody quite expected them to look so good. Um, Obviously, they've not played a top-tier nation yet, but I said they, they look really balanced. I think there was a slight kind of imbalance on that left-hand side which has been so impressive in the first half of the first match until they kind of work things out and ever since I think Spinozola has been one of the most impressive players at the tournament so far and what can you say about Locatelli last night as well um, yeah they, they just look good
0: They do look so good and 29 games unbeaten, Ned. It's one of those coming into the tournament. Everyone said, oh yeah, they play in a different way these days, but maybe the concern is the goals. They've scored six in two games. So they're not that shy in terms of coming forward, are they?
1: No, and and I know everyone's saying that they've not been tested and and that probably is true. You know, there probably are tougher teams waiting for them further on in the tournament. But, you know, Scott said "There, they've made it look easy. You know, there's... There's, you know, that's probably England in that group. We know that they'll probably be, you know, maybe have got two wins, but probably stu- struggling and stuttering to to get their way through those games. You know, uh, it's been it's been comfortable so far, as you said. There, you know, different style of football that we're used to from Italy, but they're still, you know, solid at the back. What is it? Ten games now, is it? Without, without yeah. conceit as well, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, you know, I, I don't think too many people may, you know, they seem they seem to be a side that that kind of slipped through the radar a little bit, um, you know, ahead of the tournament, like people were saying, oh yeah, they might do something. Um, but everyone, I think, you know, majority of people were saying that is it it's a toss up between probably France and Belgium. Um, you know, obviously the old romantic saying England might do it, but maybe not so much myself. Um, but Italy have, have kind of definitely shown a lot of, um, made a lot of people stand up in these first two performances and kind of go, no, these guys can go far. These guys are, are, are going to be probably at the, the business end of the tournament.
0: Yeah, I, I was happy to put them down in the sort of dark horses contenders, given they didn't even make it to Russia before <laughs> the tournament started, Scott. But they've proven me to be very wrong. I think they very much are contenders and will have a bit of staying power. Chiellini going off injured, though, might might sort of cause some problems further down the line against some of the, the bigger sides in, in the knockout stages. But in terms of having them dubbed as dark horses, a lot of that was because a lot of these players we've not seen on this Stage before, and you mentioned Locatelli before. What a performance that was from him in midfield!
2: Yeah, well, I think one of the kind of concerns for Italy coming in was Veradi not being fit. And I think, as you say, we've, we've not really noticed anything wrong with that early side so far. Um, that kind of Locatelli 1 2, I guess, for the uh, the goal last night. Um, kind of t- my Twitter just exploded, um, with it being best goal of the tournament and the like. And I think he's somebody who's been spoken about for a transfer a little bit as well. I think he might have just added quite a bit of value to himself. Um, I think Arsenal have been linked again, but probably a little bit out of their price range now with some of the other things that they're looking to do. Um, and I think even uh, when Chiellini went off, I think there's a lot of people not actually too concerned. Um, I think Italy have so many good defenders. I think I even saw somebody suggest now that at least best centre-half might get a chance of playing. Um, so, yeah, I think as you say, dark horses. But when you look at the bench and the players still come on, they, they do have depth as well. It's perhaps not as big as the names of France, but it's it's just so solid.
0: Yeah, no, most definitely. Chiro Mobile as well now, on two goals as well, Ned. And it, it's one of those, each joint sort of level with the, the Golden Boot. But as you say, I think if it was England who'd won their first two games 3-0, we'd all be walking around blaring out it's coming home down every street every part every corner would have England flags out those that haven't thus far but with Italy it's one of those that you can only beat what's in front of you but they've been very impressive in it and you can still win games 3-0 in your opening two and yet grow into a tournament can't you?
1: Oh, absolutely! I'm um, going back to Immobile, I nearly had an awkward moment last night. I've got an Italian friend, that I was about to uh, I was about to message him uh, saying, "Oh, imagine how great Italy would be if they had someone who could finish." Because obviously he missed a, a couple of chances, and he's not the most prolific. And then obviously he goes just as I'm about to hit send, lashes it in from 25 yards. So uh, thank you, Chiro, for that one. Um, but yeah, you know they've still got they've still got room to improve. You know, as we said there, you know Immobile's had chances and you know probably took the more difficult one last night. Keeper could have probably done a hell of a lot more um you know in keeping that one out. But confidence is is a big thing in in uh international tournaments. You know, you need that momentum. I think a lot was said about when when Southgate um rotated for that final game against Belgium in in 2018 and, and that was England playing against two weak sides but they've got the confidence from that and, and the momentum was behind them and then that was all stopped because England lost uh, to Belgium with a completely different side you know Italy haven't been tested so far but they've got that confidence that belief in them that they can win that they can go out and score three goals in a game um, you know against sides at this competition and um, and there, there is that momentum behind them now, you know, and the, and the Italian public, the fact that they're playing at home as well, the Italian public is going to be well behind them. I know that they've only got one more game. I think it is in Rome, isn't it? I don't think the knockouts are scheduled for them to, uh, to, to really be back in Rome again. But, you know, to know that you've still got that support at home whilst you're playing away. And even if they do end up playing in, in London at some point, there's a sizable Italian community that I'm sure that will be well and truly behind them for any games at Wembley, uh, no matter who that's against, if that's against England or, or someone else in the tournament as well. Um, so, yeah, so they've got that momentum behind them and, and, and the support as well of, of the nation is, is growing behind them too.
0: Yeah, they're through to the knockout stage, but of course, Wales heading to Rome could yet still top the group if they do win out in in Rome. That would be some story as well for the Welsh. But uh, yeah, the the other game yesterday, of course, finishing the 1-0 win for Russia over Finland. Let's move into today's action and let's concentrate on events in Copenhagen. Breaking news uh, today, actually, as we're recording that Christian Eriksen has been fitted with an implantable cardioverter defibrillator. So that is obviously part of his recovery. But today, Ned, after 10 minutes, the ball's going to be knocked out of play. So, uh, Denmark and Belgium, both sets of uh, teams and the the fans inside the stadium in Copenhagen can pay respects to Christian Eriksen and and, and celebrate the fact that he's still with us because it, it,
1: it was very close. Oh, it's remarkable. You know, I'm still. You know, I was I was working on on Saturday, and you know, probably like most people, watching the game as well. And and you know, you can kind of you still have it play for your head now. You still remember it, and you know, we weren't even there. We were you know hundreds of miles away watching it from home. Um, so God knows what it was like for those that that were you know inside the stadium close to it, and obviously the teammates as well. You know, I mean, you know, thank God that that he's alive, and it's it, you know, it's a testament to to modern medical science that, you know, we're able to still sit here and, and talk about, you know, uh, Christian Ericsson having uh, this ICD planted, um, you know, and, and the fact that he's still alive and, and can live his life. Um, it's great that there is going to be a tribute to him, you know, kind of. It, it's, it's a nice moment. Obviously, there's a lot of people in that Belgium side that he's he's played alongside at club level. Um, you know, obviously, Romelu Lukaku into Milan, uh, like to Toby Adeverald and, and Jan and among, among others. Uh, um, you know, for them, obviously, at Ajax and Tottenham as well. Um, and obviously, you know, the Denmark side, is it, their mate, you know, and, and they want to kind of show that that they're there with him, that he's still in their thoughts, that he might not be around the squad, but they're still thinking of him. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, as much as Belgium are a good side and a, and a, a great side, um, hopefully Denmark can go out and get a, a, a win today for him as well, like kind of really show it that that sometimes in, in these situations, you know, there can be... Um, as difficult as these situations are, they can be unifying, they can be, you know, saying that, you know, we're going to go and and a real motivating driving force to take you to another level to take that performance, you know, it would have been difficult to get to that performance on on Saturday for them because it was still so fresh in the mind. But now that they know that he's on the road to recovery, that they they kind of want to show that they're really behind him and, and hopefully can do that with a win today over Belgium.
0: Yeah, I think, yeah, we're all in agreement that Saturday's game really should have been delayed and UEFA should have worked something out. But Scott, in terms of knowing that Christian Eriksen is on the mend, as Ned was saying there, hopefully it will be galvanising for the Danish side. Their head coach has been speaking in the last couple of days about how there have been mental health professionals in the camp to try and help the players deal with what they saw, because it would have been absolutely terrifying for them. But now hopefully for them, as Ned was saying, they can galvanise themselves and put in a performance.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think anything, like say, the mental health support and stuff will be great because I, I can't only imagine how exhausting that 24 hours and ever since has been, whether it be through adrenaline or just kind of dealing with it in itself. Um, I imagine they've had a lot more media um, stuff to do ever since as well. So it's going to be in a really intense period. So to kind of get on the pitch, hopefully it can act as a bit of a release and a relief for them to kind of go and do what they can to do. And as they say, with the tribute to... Ericsson, hopefully, that kind of bottles it all up and they can kind of really push on and use it as inspiration for what is going to be a really difficult game. Um, They say one of the teams of the tournament, and I think it's probably the one team that's going to have 99% of people support them for a little while.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And they come up against a side in Belgium who have a man who's going to be eyes fixed on winning that golden boot, Net, It's a nice little race we've got sort of building up now. A few players getting braces over the last few days as well. But Romelu Lukaku always expected to be at the top of that list and obviously paid tribute to Christian Eriksen with his goals on Saturday. He'll be looking for uh, another few tonight, won't he?
1: Yeah, indeed. And I know he was missing uh, Kevin De Bruyne at the weekend. Uh, he might be playing tonight. I think Roberto Martinez, I think, has hinted that there'll be minutes for Kevin tonight. Um, but certainly, as the race for the Golden Boot goes on, that would be nice for him to have someone like De Bruyne of his ability and his quality slipping the balls in. You know, I, I don't think there's too many other strikers going for that Golden Boot that might have someone of De Bruyne's quality feeding them, maybe only France, perhaps, and, and Baffi and Griezmann. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a, a good race. Um, and it's, it's different to, I think it's different to the, um, obviously the World Cup, you know, Harry Kane, there was, when he run it there, there was accusations of being a flat track bully, you know, getting most of his goals against Tunisia and Panama. Um, you know, most of us could probably score against Panama was the idea, wasn't it? Um, whereas obviously the, the concentration of quality is a lot higher in, in the Euro, so it's going to be a lot more difficult um, for these guys. So it really is going to be a case of, um, yeah, kind of having to perform against stronger teams and, and yeah. finding a way through. And maybe, you know, we do have, the absolute best striker coming out on top and winning it, you know. I mean, we've got. I know he's yet to hit the net as well, but obviously Harry Kane, Robert Lewandowski is, are still yet to get up on the mark, so they're kind of got catch up to play already against you know likes of mobley likes of Lukaku as well. Um, yeah, and these are all world class quality strikers, and this is what we all want, you know. As well, that it's nice to kind of have saying, It's just a nice little subplot, isn't it, brewing away because they they all want to win it, you know. I know they all turn around and say, yeah, we want to win the tournament for the team, but. But crucially as well, they all want to win that because there's almost like a kind of a bragging rights among strikers, probably isn't there, that, oh, I've got this one and, and you've got that one, you know. And and you saw how much it meant to, to Kane to win the, the golden boot in 2018 and how much even the Premier League golden boot means to him. Um, I think even the assist one this year, he's probably very happy and it probably takes pride of place because unfortunately as a Spurs fan, he's not got many else medals um, to, to go through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a good plot today. And I think Even though I'd like to see Denmark win, I think the way that they defended a little bit against the kind of physical threat of of Finland at the end, and yes, obviously, you know, very extenuating circumstances, uh, but Finland were very physical and I think Lukaku's got that physicality to cause Denmark problems again today.
0: Yeah, we've got five players all on two goals, haven't we? Immobile, Schick, Ronaldo, Lukaku and Locatelli as well. So it'll be interesting to see who does end up with that golden boot and if somebody does sort of come from nowhere really with a run during the knockout stages. But elsewhere today as well, both looking to secure qualification into the knockout stage Netherlands versus Austria the last game of today's play both of them obviously with wins in their opening game Austria going to be without Marco Arnautovic after offensive language used in his celebration for Austria's third goal but Holland Scott have been uh, in that first game looked very exciting look as though they can attack don't look as though they can defend much
2: yeah um, I think that perhaps was the game of the tournament Uh, some credible goals to see and I think at first, it looked like we were getting a different Netherlands team to what we perhaps thought coming into it. I don't think there's a lot of people kind of discount them, and they'd had a tough time, and perhaps not many people rate the manager. But then they scored three, and it was they were flying and up and run. Um, I think that Dumfries looks really good, and it's really interesting to see Wijnaldum in a different role um, to what he's had, where what most people are used to seeing at Liverpool is a bit more advanced. Uh, and yeah, it's. It feels like they could have more good games. I think is what the really exciting thing is. Uh, As you said, the defense perhaps isn't quite so much there, but they've got the capability to win their group and perhaps even go a little bit further as well. And they're going to, be at the nevertheless
0: yeah no definitely they were one of the sides I was really intrigued to see what they were going to offer up in this tournament and thought they might maybe be the team that possessed some breakout stars I think at the moment maybe Locatelli is, is taking that but likes of Doniel Marlon Ned who came off the bench the other day they've got Ryan Gravenberch in their squad as well the young Ajax midfielder I was really looking forward to seeing him he's not featured yet and Matthias De Ligt, he was on the bench but Frank De Boer I think hinted that he could well feature today
1: yeah, there's, you know, there's a, a good young crop coming through for this Dutch side, whether or not this tournament might be a little bit too early for them. Um, you <laughs> know, it almost sounds like I'm talking about England there, isn't it? You know, they are great attackers, but the tournament might be a bit too early. Um, but yeah, you're right. You know, there are, it's, it's not like the Dutch side's of old, is it? That we kind of knew, you know, most of the starting 11 because they were playing for the best teams around Europe. You know, these guys are, they're playing for good sides, but they're not, you know, gracing the sides of Barcelona. I know, obviously, Memphis Depay, I think, is on, on the verge of signing for Barcelona, but at the minute, he's playing for Lyon, um, which isn't what you'd associate with the old, like the great Dutch sides of, of, of old that we, you know, kind of grew up with and stuff. But there are still players in there that can cause you problems. Um, you know, there are still players in there that, that will, you know, that they're not a side that anyone will kind of openly go, oh, yeah, I'd love to play against them. But there are, you know, as you touched on there, there are those defensive frailties that that maybe they are looking like they are missing Van Dijk a little bit. Who might bring a bit more solidity uh, to that back line. Um, I know Scott touched on it as well about, you know, not many people uh, like the manager or or think that he's doing a good job. It is weird, isn't it? He seems to have fallen upwards here, get sacked by Atalanta, uh, Atalanta United, not Atalanta even. Um, And and now Frank Dubois has got himself in charge of, you know, a team that could do very well with this tournament. And and then he reinvents himself as a manager and and might end up with another uh, good job at the end of this tournament. Yeah, it's a... Very fortuitous position that I think Frank De Boer has found himself in with this crop of uh, young, talented Dutchmen about to start coming through.
0: Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? Certainly, I think we're in a period like with international management where it really does take a different skill set. I know Frank De Boer maybe isn't the most popular even with Netherlands supporters. He's not playing their traditional 4-3-3 formation. But you think of Roberto Mancini leaves Zenit, albeit has had a very good managerial career, gets the Italy job. Gareth Southgate, former Middlesbrough manager and under-21s, and now with England and doing so well. And I'll use that to link into England, actually. We're a day away from the game with Scotland. Scott, and looking at England's setup up and its team, we'll talk about it in more depth, of course, in tomorrow's podcast. And we do have another episode on the Football Digest with John Cross and the gang coming up as well to preview the game. But just wondered your thoughts. Is this the game Jack Grealish comes in for?
2: a tough one I think I think after last weekend I think we are going to see a very similar team um, I was kind of at a Croydon box part event and even the fans in London were cheering Jack Grealish's name when they were, when he was warming up so there's definitely some excitement about seeing Jack Grealish in an England shirt um, I think we're probably more likely to see it in the third game if the game against Scotland goes well um, I think the likes of Phillips and stuff uh, Mount all performed really well and um, obviously got the goal uh, perhaps he kind of wants to ride that way for a little bit more and get a bit more familiarity rather than kind of chopping and changing things too much too early
1: Yeah no definitely I
0: think one of the big things Ned maybe is we get a left footed left back in this game though
1: <laughs> Exactly that, that would be the only change that I'd make I, I saw the comments from Southgate overnight as well saying that he's going to rotate his squad by changing the match day uh, leaving three players out of obviously which he has to do uh, this tournament anyway of 26 man squads and only 23 to be named but I don't like this idea of rotation, like there's enough time between the games now that, you know, left back is the only one that I change. I agree with you on that. Left footed left back is what needs to come in for this game because there isn't that, that, you know, there isn't that fear about what Scotland could do going forward as much as there was against Croatia. Yes, Scotland can still cause problems, just not as much as Croatia could have, but this whole idea of rotation, I, I just don't get it because we've had, so played on Sunday, played on Friday. So that's a longer break than what the players are used to during the season anyway. Friday to Tuesday, again, is a longer break than what the players are used to during the season. And then it's a week until the knockout games start. I don't see where there is a need to rotate. I don't, maybe if you're talking about players, you know, getting minutes into and making sure they're sharp and stuff, yeah, Grant, bring them off the bench. But this whole idea of rotating, you're starting 11. Um, and it goes back to what I said earlier about, you know, losing momentum and and, and getting that check. Because all it takes is just one unfortunate Performance with a rotated squad, and and you know, you've lost everything, you've lost the momentum, and you've got to kind of start again and try and build it back up. Um, so like I said, you know, I would agree that, that Luke Shaw or Ben Chilwell has to come into the side now because we can attack more. There, there, there isn't, there's a little bit more freedom, I think, against Scotland, um, for, for England to try and get at them uh, on Friday. But you know, any other changes, I think you don't change a winning side, do you? You know, I know, I know, Harry Maguire might be fit, but. Tyron did a, a good enough job against Croatia. Um, he deserves the start, which I don't think I'll be saying when he did get the start on, on, on Sunday. I thought it would be advocating for Harry Maguire to come straight back in. But I, I just don't, it, it doesn't sit well with me, this whole idea of rotating the team.
0: No, you wonder why those on the continent seem to think that we're arrogant and get above ourselves when we're talking about rotating our 11 after a 1-1 goal win over Croatia. But anyway, that's all we've got time for for this edition of the Euro Digest here on Football Digest. From myself, Guy Clark, Ned Keating and Scott Trotter, thanks for your time and your company. It's bye for now.